And so please don't let us just sing. Let us sing in spirit and in truth. Don't let us just read lyrics on a screen. Let us pray them. And so God, minister to all of us this evening, young to old, everyone in between, minister to us, God, meet us where we're at. Speak to us, even through song right now. Thank you again for another evening of grace to gather, to sing, to worship, to be reminded that there is a God and he is coming to get our minds off this planet, to detach our affections from the things of this life and to really hone in on things that are eternal. So as we sing, do this, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can go ahead and join me in standing. Join us in standing and let's, let's sing this together. All I want. All I want, hell dear, build my life upon all this world reveres and wars to own. All I want, thought, gain, I have counted lots, spent and worthless now, compared to this. Knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, to know oh to know the power of your risen life and to know you with your sufferings to become like yeah. you in your death oh lord so with you
fall out, we lay our crowns at the feet. The greatness, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Sing it out, church. And we it again we fall we fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus cry it out trust in Jesus and to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise and to know the say the Lord see it out Jesus Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, how oh how sweet to trust in jesus just to trust his cleansing blood and in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing cleansing flood sing his name Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Yes, tis sweet. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease, just from Jesus simply taking life and rest 
and joy and peace. You got it. Jesus, 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 how I trust him, how I prove him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. Last one. And I'm so glad I've learned to trust the precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Amen. Singing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, full grace to trust him more. You know this. Sing his name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus, precious Lamb of God, worthy is your name. One more time, Jesus, Jesus. Lamb of God, worthy is your name, Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name, he is worthy, worthy is your name, so much lord for your song thank you for being a god who's worthy of being sung to oh how good it is to sing a song what medicine and remedy it is to the soul lord you know full well what is happening in this room you know where each saint is at you know every crossroad every pain every pleasure, every challenge, every valley, every mountaintop. You know it all. And in this life and on this journey, this dangerous journey, it is so assuring to know that you have us. Increase our faith, our faith this evening. As we study your word, let it be enjoyable. Let it not merely be a stimulation of the mind, but a stirring of the heart. 
a resolving of the spirit to step, to stand up and keep on. Whatever it is, brothers and sisters may be lacking this evening. You feel it, please, you feel it. Whatever lack of focus, whatever distractions that are consuming us, you take it away. As we continue in worship now through announcements, through study, through observation, through fellowship, oh Jesus, remind us that you are here. You walk among the lampstands and you're here this evening interceding over us, singing over us and wanting to counsel, sit, dine, hug, encourage, strengthen. So do that, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. All right. Good evening, Ohana. All right, cool. Sorry, I meant to say aloha. That's a little bit better. Okay, so only one announcement this week. The deacon ordination for Brandon Schoen will be this Sunday during church service. So be praying for him and the rest of the deacons, as well as just our leadership in general, from the deacons to the pastors. Um, and the movement that we're making towards and celebrate with Brandon and his family this weekend at service. Okay. And then tonight's scripture comes from Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 16. Okay, and the, Lord word, and the Lord's word reads, And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found the ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in the sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. And when having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And when through the spirit, they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. And they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and delivers him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, what are you doing? Weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea, 
went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. Thank you, brother. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, as we have read your word, as we have sung it, even in the reading of your scripture, though we fight through to try and maintain an image to, to really understand what's being read and going on, we pray that, Spirit of God, you continue to put color into this picture. You continue to fill in the gaps where we're lacking. We want to really look at what's before us this evening and in faith believe that you determine this text to be the text that all of us would be sitting under tonight. And so as the Spirit of God led Paul, we pray that you, same Holy Spirit, would lead us this evening. All of us are on a journey, on a voyage. All of us are trying to trek through this life. And all of us are going to need to make choices. We're going to have to make difficult decisions. We're going to have to learn to discern the will of God. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be tough. But by your grace and by your will, you'll see us through and you'll carry us on. And you'll be glorified. So as we observe the text together as a family, would you liven us as we get into teaching and preaching? Would you let our, our, our hearts hear? And so much more importantly than this, when we leave this place, let us be a people who walk by faith, not by sight, who live out the word of God. In Jesus' name and all God's children said, amen. Okay. It's a meteor text tonight. Um, a couple of weeks, we did like one or two verses. This one, we're going to take a whole chunk. All right, so 16 verses. Uh, just to remind us really briefly, remember, we, we've been in for about a month in an elders meeting in Ephesus. We're pow with that. And now Paul is continuing on, on to Jerusalem, Lord willing, and on to Rome. Okay, so this is where we're at. Gabe's read the text for us. Um, get yourself going. Shift gears. Uh, start looking at it, analyzing it, conversing with God. Let's observe this uh, text for a little bit together, and then we'll we'll walk through uh, the meat of the message tonight. So I'll turn it over to you guys. Go ahead. Twenty-one, one through sixteen. I noticed this. I wonder why. It's interesting that those are the types of thoughts you want to kind of get at with this. This, so Pops asks, is this his first or second? It's neither of those. It's his third. Yeah, this is home stretch, right? This is home stretch. Paul's got a lot of mileage already on his missionary journey, but this is, this is home stretch. We're in the last nine chapters of the book of Acts. And it's all going to focus in on Paul's uh, last leg. Good. What else? Yep. Okay. I see the hands flickering. We'll, Michael, and then we'll go over. Okay. That's good. He, Michael mentioned there's warnings, and I like that you said plural. Because choke times, right? Not just once, not just twice. And actually, even prior to this, Paul has been getting warnings um, from the spirit or what he would say in chapter 19 the spirit testifies to me that imprisonment and affliction is on the way good what else yep megan 
Right. Yes. That's good. That's good. That's good. She's pointing out um, the prophet Agabus, right? It was, and she mentions that it was the Holy Spirit that gave him this um, accurate prophecy. And then she mentioned that um, Paul's response to that is like, why are you making this hard for me? Actually, when you look at it, and many people, when they look at this, uh, they see that tension. And it almost, from surface, it looks kind of contradictory, maybe even. The Spirit's telling him to do this, and then, but the Spirit's moving, and people tell him, don't do this. And and then it seems like it could appear like there's a contradiction here. But we'll look closer. And, and I don't think that, that Luke is trying to communicate that Paul is uh, resisting the spirit. But, yeah. I think in a way, Paul said that if you go to the Very well. Very good. I like that Victor points out the Holy Spirit said this will happen. And then he says, the people said, let us like their, their train of thought was just no. But I like that you said the people said there's a there's a there's a, a man mindset, maybe well intended. I'm sure it was. I mean, they care about this guy. We'll see that. But it's good that you noted the spirit speaking. And then man's ideas and how that seems to be the the clash there so that's good that's good good observations good observations yep right yeah he, so you're talking about like just paul continue on how paul usually is city to city place to place um, encouraging people, telling telling the disciples about Jesus. Is that what you're saying? Okay, good. good. I like that you. Okay, so very good. Kaleo's bringing up the parallel that he's seeing with Jesus, and Jesus on his last leg home was on his way to Jerusalem, and he and he was telling people of the suffering that needed to happen, and it actually does say in the scriptures that Jesus set his face, like he, it was just this has got to be done. And so he's picking up a parallel that we see kind of in Paul on his way to Jerusalem. Suffering's on the way. The road is marked with pain and suffering. And yet Paul kind of stays the course. So it is with Jesus. Very good. We're, we're going to look at that because I do think there are just some. It's hard not to think about Jesus on the way to Jerusalem when you read this text. Um, actually, scholars will even say this is like Paul's Gethsemane moment. Like they're paralleling him with Jesus on that road marked with suffering. So good, good observation. What else? What else? Keep it going. Keep it flowing. Yep. Right. Totally. Totally. Amen to that. Yeah, Victor's pointing out the kneeling on the beach multiple times, right? This is the second time we're seeing this. He did that last chapter with the Ephesian elders. So, Victor, after you buy your surfboard, before you paddle out, we're going to make sure you're kneeling on the beach. Pray now. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it really is a great, beautiful picture. Luke kind of brings to light multiple times. The kneeling, the praying together, the reverence, that, uh, the worshipfulness. And maybe even what, what I hope to highlight tonight is the type of affection and intimacy 
these believers had with each other. Like it wasn't just like, okay, shoots. Like there was this sense of like kneeling, praying together. Um, the previous chapter, they're crying. They couldn't take their hands off of him, right? So good. Yep, pop. Right? Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Amen. Yeah, that's one of the things we're going to see tonight um, in one of the observations. One of the points is uh, Paul had uh, an affectionate Christian fellowship. Yeah. What else? Do a few more and then we'll let's start getting on these verses. Okay, good. We're good. Um, we'll go Megan, then we'll go back to this side to get. Go ahead, Meg. Amen. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Megan is bringing out the for the name of Jesus. So in the title of the message is count the cost. Remember the cause. You know, Paul is just not some nuts guy that like, like just charge them and have a thrill. Like there's a cause, there's a reason, and it's Christ. And so that's very important that Luke, Paul always emphasizes that always emphasizes that he's not just risking his life for nothing it's for the cause of christ very good uh gabe good one that's great i'm glad you bring that up i wasn't even gonna touch on that tonight yeah notice how like whatever city he goes to he finds believers so gabe is bringing out man the church is growing like the gospel is spreading and Paul, it's not Paul is this one man show. It's the whole body of Christ all over the world. Like right now, think in this moment, right now, this Wednesday, there's probably hundreds and thousands of other midweek Bible studies going on. That, that ought to encourage us. And for those of us who in this life, maybe Hawaii is not your final destination. God's going to take you to this state, that state, this country, that country. There's a good chance, Lord, by the grace of God, whatever, wherever you end up landing, there's believers there. Some places might be hard to find, but what's interesting and what's encouraging is that, man, wherever Paul goes, he can find a bro or a sister in the Lord. That's beautiful. That's good. Good observation. Yep, Christian. Right? Beautiful, bro. That's right. How, how crazy, but at the same time, how like, like wonderful is that, right? In the beginning of Acts, he was murdering and approving murders of Christians. And now he's the one saying, I'll die for the name of Christ. That's beautiful. Amen, man. Good, 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 good. Any others? Yes, Tani, go ahead. I like that you guys enjoy observation time. That is wonderful to me. Yes, the, that's, that is correct. That's right. <laughs> I 
That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Single women praising the Lord. Two observations Tani mentions. The first one is Philip, the evangelist, part of the seven. That's the name of the band that he was in. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> they were traveling all around the seven. Uh, no, but chapter six, uh, there was seven men filled with the spirit and wisdom that were chosen to do diaconal service in the church so that the apostles could keep teaching the Bible. Philip was one of those seven. And um, what's crazy, actually, I'll bring this up now because I don't know if I'll do it in the sermon part, but he's staying at Philip's house. And one of the other bros that was part of the seven was Stephen. I don't know if you guys remember him who was martyred. And do you remember who approved his murder? It was Paul. Imagine the man who said, kill your brother and approved it. You're now welcoming him to your home and practicing hospitality to that guy. Saul, same man though. Saul, Paul, same man. That's just wild, right? So not just on Paul's note, but the Philip. I mean, Philip welcoming a guy who really approved the murder of a brother, their brother now. It's just like uh, perplexing. Only the grace of God could make enemies brothers. So that's beautiful. And then the second thing she pointed out was the four unmarried single ladies that Philip had as four daughters, and they was prophesying. And that's totally in line with chapter two, the spirit of God would pour out on all flesh and sons and daughters would see visions and dreams and prophesy. So this is evidence of the spirit of God totally at work. So beautiful observation, Tony. Very good. Okay, go ahead. My man. That's right. That's right. And which I think we can also say is they, they did agree at the end. At first it was like, yeah, they totally, we were telling you don't do this, but when it all comes down to it, your will be done. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's, let's walk through this together. Um, man, I love doing observations with you guys because you guys are actually into it. Never lose that. Never lose the curiosity and the drive to um, study the Bible well. Psalm oh, 119, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misquote it. In 119, it's a big chapter, but it says, um, Greater the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. Your student-like heart right now, your curiosity to make observations, ask questions, point things out, that's a reflection of your affection for Jesus. Not because you're nerdy. I know it's not because I'm nerdy. Not because you're trying to get all intellectual or whatever. No, but you're interested in Jesus. And that's why you're into this. And I just want to commend you guys. I love observation time with you guys because you, you exude that heart. Father, help us as we go through this now. Be glorified. Help us to listen and obey. In Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, just... Before we jump straight into it, I like that Christian went all the way back to the beginning of Paul's life because this is the end of his journey. We're in the last final leg, but let's just do a, a really quick just repeat of his testimony. Chapter 9, chapter 8, he was bur breathing murderous threats. He hated Christ. He hated his people. Chapter 9, he gets converted. Chapter 13, he gets set apart, consecrated. And in that same chapter, he gets confirmed by the church and the spirit. And then from chapter 13 all the way till present text, he's sent. And he's been going. 
And he's been carrying on. And one thing that we've been learning about Paul is not as he's growing in his affection for Jesus, his knowledge of Jesus, his love for his people, but he's also growing in his intimacy with the spirit of God. I know about you, but something that fascinates me about the whole book of Acts is when the spirit of God says, the spirit of God led, the spirit of God did. I tried to count how much times the spirit spoke and guided. And I was like, I lost count when I was hitting the hundreds through the book of Acts. And it's just, it's just to show us that, that in this life, in this journey that we're all on, the question is, is are, do you know what it is to be led by the spirit? In this journey, guys, on this race, if you want to use Paul's language, because all of you right here tonight, you're on a course. You've trusted in Christ, and you have a, a, a race already marked out for you. That's in the letters. Ephesians 2.10, it says that there's good works prepared in advance already, that God's like, you're going to do that. There's specific deeds, specific destinations, specific things that you and I are going to do as individuals and as a body. And one thing that we know about journeying and any of us who've just traveled, even from you getting from your home or your workplace to here, is on that road, you're going to have to make choices, right? You are have to decide to turn left or turn right, to stop or to go. And just, just be honest. How much of you enjoy decision-making? Sometimes. How much of you enjoy difficult decision-making? Difficult, because that's inevitable, guys. On this journey, you and I are going to have to make some of the toughest choices we'll ever make in life. Some of the most difficult things to discern. You ever, you ever get frustrated because you're trying to discern the will of the Lord in your life particular? Him or her, this or that, this job, that job. This person that live here, don't live here. And, and, and it goes on and on. As you get older, it doesn't get more easy. And something that I do love about this text is it really, Luke does, he doesn't censor the difficulty this was for Paul. Paul resolved in chapter 19, it says he resolved in the spirit. I'm going to do a gift. I'm going to get a gift and I'm going to take it to Jerusalem. And Lord, really, I want to get to Rome. It says in chapter 19, he resolved in the spirit. Now look at this in chapter 20. Before we check through chapter 21, look at chapter 20, verse 22 to 24. Behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the spirit. You see that? Controlled. Not knowing what will happen to me. So in chapter 20, he has no clue what this looks like. It's kind of blurry to him, but he just knows I'm going in that direction. You ever been there with the decision? You just, I know I'm supposed to go in this direction. I just don't know what that looks like. That's where Paul's at in chapter 20. Then it says, verse 23, except this, the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city. So this has been happening before chapter 21. Remember how Michael brought up, he's been getting warned multiple times. Yeah, this has been happening already. The Spirit's been testifying in every city that imprisonment and affliction await me. Suffering's on the way. Pain is on the way. Unjust arrest is on the way. Verse 24. But I don't account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. This is Paul's thinking. If only I may finish my course. You see that? Well, what is his course? Chapter 13. He was set apart. You carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Ananias, lay hands on this guy because he's my chosen instrument to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. That's Paul's course. He knows that to his bone, his core. This is my calling, says the apostle. I got to take the gospel to the places that it's never been. 
That's why I think he has his heart set on places like Rome. But anyway, it says this, if only I may finish the course and ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. You see the cause? You see the person? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. See, so Paul already in chapter 19 and chapter 20, he's set. This is going down. Now, what we see in chapter 21, though, is not only did Paul decide to follow Christ to where he called him, but he was determined to see it through. Nothing is going to shake him from this. We see a diligence, a discipline even. In difficult decisions in this life, whatever that might be for you tonight, dot, dot, dot. Because quite frankly, brothers and sisters, I love you so much, but I don't know the very specific details of the decisions you need to make tonight. I don't know them, but I've been praying for you. I've been praying for you all week, especially from Monday and Tuesday, when I saw where God was taking us with this text. And I prayed this for you and for me, that if you are facing a very tough decision tonight, a very difficult one, it's a crossroads, that you would learn how to count the cost, remember the cause, look to Christ, and carry on. In all of your decision makings, that you and I would be participants, partakers, we would taste the proverb, the precious promise. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Paul's friends didn't understand what he was doing. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. We're going to see Paul do that. And he'll make your path straight. That you would not just quote that proverb. You'd know it to your core. Because in every choice you make, you've counted the cost. You remembered the cause. You looked to Christ and you carried on. I'm praying that after we finish this text, you and I, all of us here as a church and as individual saints, in this journey, we would make glorious choices for Christ. And we'd carry it through to the very end. The cost of discipleship to follow Christ is a crazy thing. So here we go. Let's walk through this. First part from verse one to four. I want to point this out. So what's noteworthy is, I mean, look at all the traveling, all the different places that Gabe did a great job reading all those names. I was excited when you got to um, the Ptolemaeus one with, that starts with a P. Um, but just notice, man, this is a great journey. A lot of traveling. Paul is apparently in a hurry. Remember the context. He's trying to get the gift to Jerusalem. And he gets from um, Miletus all the way to Tyre. And then picking it up at verse 4. Having sought out the disciples, we stayed there seven days. I just want to mention this briefly. Who sought who on this journey? Paul sought out the disciples. He didn't show up in town and say, I wonder if anyone's going to text me. I wonder if any Christian's going to come looking for me. No. What we see is Paul consistently sought out Christian fellowship. And we see this all through the book of Acts. Every place he goes, he looks for the believers. This is consistent. We're going to see that later as he goes to the other cities, but it's, it's noteworthy. And I just want to point that out. And um, I pray and encourage that if, if you're a believer that tonight and you're on this journey, don't be the believer that just sits and waits. Take the initiative. 
seek out Christian fellowship and, and, and seek out disciples, others who are following Christ. You'd be surprised by what, what God is orchestrating right around you. Once you have the heart, that's like, I need to get into fellowship. But anyway, we see that all the way from chapter two, right? And they devoted themselves not to just the apostles teaching, which is Bible study, not just prayer. And I'm not downplaying those, but on the same list, they devoted themselves to what? Apostles teaching, fellowship, prayer. They devoted themselves to that. That's why I love, um, you know, sisters like Megan. And I can actually name many in our church. I'm so encouraged in a lot of the military families or brothers and sisters who, who like Victor, you know, um, they're coming in from different parts of the world. They've been living in this area and it doesn't take too long, but in weeks and months, we're in a conversation, they're in our gathering and they're thinking seriously about setting some roots and just being a part of the church. That is a beautiful thing. That tells me a lot about their Christian maturity, that as God takes, takes them on their journey, what they need to learn to do is seek out Christian fellowship and know how to do that. You know, we have college students in our church. You know, how to, you know one way you can pray for them in their season is that as they travel, as they go, they would not just look for a Christian fellowship by name. They would know how to seek out disciples. They would know what they're looking for. And I just think it's, it's really awesome that Paul does this again and again, and Luke points it out. When we travel in this life and on this journey, we're not looking for social cliques and clubs. We're looking for the church of Jesus Christ. Born-again believers who are serious about the word of God and obeying him and following him to the very end. That's what you got to look for. And I do think that one of the reasons why Paul was so determined and so able to stick it through in his choices was because he kept surrounding himself with Christians. So anyways, keep going. Um, and through the spirit, okay, we're in tire now through the spirit they were telling paul not to go on to jerusalem now we see this already happening right chapter 20 the spirit's testifying to paul and now he's speaking through the disciples and and one of the ways he's speaking is just he's they're warning him don't go why because probably in that conversation what came to light is you're gonna get hurt there's suffering on the way so in their mind in their perception don't do it it doesn't look good for you in this life. See that? When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey. So what we see is Paul, entire, he counts the cost and he carries on. He could have turned around at this point. This wasn't the first time he was aware of suffering on the way. God's called you to do something tonight, Christian. You've decided to do it. And as you keep going, are you getting shook? People are weighing in and they're sharing honestly what they feel, what they think. But you know deep in your core what God has told you to do. Will you carry on? We're going to circle back around at this point again because we're going to see it more later. So let's just keep going. And I just, I wondered up into this moment if Paul was having doubts. Like, I just wonder. I wonder if he was like, oh, man, should I turn it around? It's like the third, fourth time I'm hearing this. Or I wonder if this caused him to be more resolved. Like, ah, oh, of course, I knew this was coming. Thank you for sharing your concern for me, brothers, here entire, but that is exactly why I must keep going. Because the Spirit already told me pain is on the way. But anyway, he keeps going and we have no reason to believe that they were mad at him, <laughs> that they were salty. 
that he was like, as he got ready to keep going, they were like, fine, go then. We never like you anyway. They didn't know there was none of that. Cause look, it says kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to each other. Those are affectionate terms. They left on good note, just like in Ephesus. But I want to point this out really quick before we move on. Paul, he not only sought out Christian fellowship, but he experienced affectionate Christian fellowship. I use that term because I pull it from Philippians. Philippians 1 in verse 8 and 9, Paul says, I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ. In 1 Thessalonians 2, he speaks about loving them the way a mother loves her children. So you see the young moms with their keiki and how, you know, affectionate they are to them. That's the type of vibe that Paul had in these churches. As a mother to a child, as a father to his child, there was this affection of Christ that was just so, and I just want to ask the question, I mean, do, you, do we know this in Christian fellowship? The affections of Christ, that's a good prayer to pray, you know. Lord, I pray that you would give me and us here the affections of Christ. To be for each other. I mean, think of Paul's, Paul, like, if you're wondering, if you're here, and that just sounds really awesome. Like, man, I wish I had, I wish I had church friends like that. That was just so tight, you know, just want to remind us. I mean, look, you got, Paul reaped that kind of fellowship because he sowed it. I mean, you got to look at his life. He poured himself out. He preached his guts out in love. He cared for them. He served them. He took up extra shifts so that he didn't have to mooch off of them. I mean, this guy laid it all out. So it's no surprise to me that in two places, these brothers and sisters are kneeling with him. They're walking with him all the way to the edge of the, the city. It's like, okay, bye. Can you imagine just every time we say goodbye, you walk each other all the way to the door of their car. Then you get in your car and you follow them until they get home. Oh, okay, bye now. Bye. I mean, that would be a little extreme. Don't do that. But I mean, in heart, right? In heart, isn't that what you want? That's, that's one of the blessings of being a part of the family of God. That's why I think it's so, it's so beautiful when uh, sisters like Shella leave or Hannah leave. And they're just going. I mean, some of them, they're just going for the summer. Or the, but there's always a little bit of a, oh, okay, bye. And you say bye like 10 times. And then we all end up huddling over here and praying for them. And then as we say amen, you see them like. You know, and some of us, we've only known each other for months. You ever wonder that? Some of us, we've not even known each other for a year, but then you feel this affection for each other that feels like it's a lifetime. Like, I'm excited for Megan, but I'm dreading it. Like, I, I want her to go to Korea, but I don't. And that's not fabricated. Like, as I think back of her life and what she's been in this church for three years and what God's been doing in and through and, and the passion she has for the cause of Christ and the mission, like, I get so fired up praying for her. And I know that Lord willing, when we get to that day and we do say goodbye, it's going to be sad. And it's not a bad thing. That's evidence that there's affection of Christ in this place. It would be sad if when we said farewell, it was really just shoots. That's it. So Paul, and perhaps maybe us, can we, will we, are we, experiencing affectionate Christian fellowship. That just happens, guys, as we keep pouring and praying over one another and just being in each other's messes, good times, bad times, and all the way through. It's a beautiful thing when Christ unites a people like this, that when they say bye, they got to kneel down and pray together.
Let's keep going. So I'm going to go look at, let's look at the chunk from verse 7 all the way to 11, 7, 11. So we arrive, finish the voyage from Tyre. Now we're in a different place, uh, Ptolemaeus. And we greeted the brothers. See that again? There he goes again, looking out, looking for fellowship. Stayed them for a day. And then from there, they went to Caesarea. And now look, they find other brothers. But now he gets a little bit more specific with this part. And we talked about him already, Philip. Philip's house. Yeah. Oh, I never got to stay with Philip yet, you know. And then they note Philip the evangelist. We read back, go back to chapter 8. Not just from that moment of him in the eunuch, but church history tells us that Philip was an he wasn't just a deacon, he was a beast evangelist. He told everybody and anybody about Jesus with boldness and courage. And so he was coined this term, Philip the evangelist, one of the seven. So he was a renowned guy in the church, known for his life. And he had four baby girls. I don't know how old these four are. But they were unmarried, so they're probably young, and they were prophesying. And then Luke doesn't give attention to what they said, but he does give attention to this other prophet, Agabus, who came. But it's interesting that in this, in Caesarea, Paul now, the Spirit is testifying, not just through the disciples' warning, but now through disciples' prophesying. So the Spirit of God is speaking, obviously, loudly. And then now the Spirit's going to speak with some specificity. You see this? Remember in chapter 20, Paul's like, I know pain's on the way. I just don't know what that looks like. So as he continues on the journey, which is interesting, those of you in difficult decisions right now, as you continue to go, God continues to show what's going to happen. Just because he's going to give a little bit more light to what's to come. And Agabus says, inspired by the Spirit, and he does, he does what the Old Testament prophets traditionally do. He he, he gives the message, but he gives an illustration. So sometimes in the prophet, um, you know, um, they would, like, I think it was Ahijah, he, he tore garments. Um, Isaiah walked around barefoot and bare, nude, for three years. Um, there was other prophets who just, they, they would illustrate the message that they're sending. So this is what Agabus is doing. He takes Paul's belt, and it was a long belt, not like our kind belts, um, long enough to tie his hands, his feet, and he's like, kid, okay, owner of this belt they're gonna this is how they're gonna bind him and give him over hand him over to the gentiles so he's now god is giving paul he's counting the cost in caesarea and he's counting the cost a little bit more specific so he's counting the cost entire now he's in caesarea and he's counting the cost again but does it hinder him does he stop no he carries on now note this that agabus wasn't saying with his prophecy so don't go you notice that? He's just saying, this is going to happen. John Stott puts it like this, and I like it. He says, um, we have to draw the line between what is predicted and what's prohibited. So just because God's giving you clarity and giving you a picture, it doesn't mean he's prohibiting that choice. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross to suffer and die. But he still went. You see that? There are going to be some tough choices you and I are going to have to make in this life. And if we're going to compare which one's more comfortable and which one's more fun and which one's more painful, there's going to be times when the painful choice is going to be the will of God. This is part of what it means to follow Christ. Believer, do you count the cost? That's why Jesus says things. If you don't, if you don't forsake this, this, this for me, you can't be my disciple. 
brother, sister, you and I are going to have to make some tough choices in this life. And sometimes it's going to be the painful one. That's going to be the one that God's calling you to do. As the cost to follow Christ comes clear in your decision-making, will you keep going? Or will you turn around? That's a serious question tonight. All of us here are on a journey. I'm sure many of us are in some difficult situations right now. And none of us here like pain. None of us here like discomfort. None of us here like conflict. But if Christ, your good shepherd, is going to lead you through the valley of the shadow of death, will you keep going? I pray so. Because he's with you. He'll comfort you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He's going to see you through. It doesn't end in Jerusalem for Jesus. It doesn't end on Golgotha. Paul doesn't end in Rome. He goes on, we go on to glory. But will you walk through? Will you make the tough choice? Will you stick it out? I pray so. I pray we all would learn to carry on in this way. Look at verse 12. Let's zoom in on this. When we heard this. So when Luke's now welcoming, um, putting himself in there. Okay, now when we heard this, we, myself included, Luke, and the people urged him, don't do it. Don't go up to Jerusalem. So right after the, 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 the spirit specified the type of suffering that's going to go down for Paul, Luke then, they couldn't hold himself together. This was their breaking point. It's been tough to follow with you this far, Paul, but okay, that's enough. Don't go on. Know this too, that Luke is not the first disciple to want to put on the brakes in the face of suffering. Do you remember when Jesus was telling the disciples, I must go and suffer. I must go suffer and die. Do you remember Matthew 16, what Peter says? To the Lord, he pulls him aside. He rebukes Jesus and says, nah, that's not going to happen to you. Exactly what he says. That's not going to happen to you, Jesus. You're not going to go and suffer. And then, do you know, remember, you remember what Jesus says to Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Do you remember what he says right after that? You have in mind the things of man. Paul. Okay, that's enough, Paul. We got to turn around. Don't do it, Paul. And then what does Paul say? He doesn't say, get behind me, say like Jesus, but he says something. He said, what are you doing? Why are you breaking my heart? You think I'm skipping to Jerusalem? You think I, in my flesh, want to do this? You have in mind the things of man, Luke. You're hopping on the bandwagon with everybody else from city to city. I, I appreciate their concern for me. But see, my perception is way beyond this life. I told you back in chapter 20, what is my life here? It's nothing to me. I'm concerned about souls, Luke. I want people to know Christ, Luke. I'm called to tell them, Luke. I'm called to go to the most hardest, dangerous spots, Luke. And it's gonna, it may cost me my life. I might get in prison, but I'm telling you. And he, and he says, I'm ready. I'm ready to be shackled. I'm ready to be beaten. I'm ready to be imprisoned. I'm ready to die if it costs my life. Luke, do you see the big picture, Luke? 
Do you see what this is about, Luke? This is not about Jerusalem and Rome. This is not about me, my life, and my comforts. Count the costs. Remember the cause. What what does he say? It's about Christ. Jesus told me to do something, so I got to do it, Luke. I'm ready. Come what may. Can our hearts say that this evening? Are you ready? Am I ready? Am I ready to suffer for the cause of Christ? Perhaps some of us in this room, or maybe some of our children, will have to suffer by spilling blood. But maybe some of us, it's you're going to suffer by sweating, time, investments, tough choices, being hated, losing your job. You might suffer, we might suffer in various ways. But in that moment, remember the cause. This is for Christ. Why are you guys making this so tough for me? Paul says. I'm ready. And Paul does. 2 Timothy 2, 8-9, he does get imprisoned. He says this to Timothy. He writes this in jail. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember the cause. Remember the person in the tough choices that you're making this evening. Because we talked about that a little bit already, right? You have a tough choice. First, ask yourself, is this about Christ or is this about you? Why are you doing what you're doing? Okay, and if it is about Christ and you're about to make the choice, you're about to take that turning point, you're about to decide, and now you're having cold feet, you're not sure if you should do it, remember Jesus Christ. Remember who you're doing this for. In all the tough choices I've made in my short span of life that I made for Christ, everyone was hard. But I had to remember this. This is for Jesus and no one else. And he's worth it. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the grave, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. And then he says this. This is why I'm chained up. This is why I'm in prison. But get this, Timothy. The word of God is not chained up. I love Paul's resolve. I'm ready, Luke. I want to be ready. It's 2022, and our world is a mess. And the word of God said the nations will rage, and they will hate the anointed one. There will not be preaching like this about Christ and about sin and suffering, but glory in churches. People will be afraid to talk about that kind of stuff. Because we are an oversensitive generation that doesn't want to hear the truth. We are allergic to commands and repentance. And we will suffer, brothers and sisters. The word of God said, in this life you will have tribulation, but take heart. Remember the cause. Count the cost. Look to Christ. Look to Christ. I know you have tough choices to make this evening and what i'm praying and encouraging you to do is to remember jesus christ remember the cause look to him romans 14 he says this seven verse seven for none of us lives to himself none of us dies to himself if we live we live to the lord if we die we die to the lord so whether we live or die we're the lord's this is paul's reasoning like luke i'm ready to be in prison even to die 
You know what's rooted in Luke's theology that gives him this rationale, like, but I'm, I'm down to die. It's not because he's just one nuts brada that's like the Chihu guy that just jumps off the rock. I don't care if I die. That's not Paul. He's like, no, one, this is for Jesus, the lover of my soul. And two, I'm not my own. I don't belong to me, Luke. I'm constrained by the spirit. I am his. I'm God's possession. I don't choose what I do. But is that us? Is the Lord your shepherd? Are we yielding? That's why when we read on, it's profound what they say. If the Lord wills. Paul's not risking his life for nothing, guys. And in these tough choices that you and I are going to have to make in this life. Remember the cause of Christ. Remember what this is about. Don't let this just be zeal. In my, my 16, 17, 18-year-old Chris, I was really zealous. I was really like, yeah, I'll, I'll die for Jesus. Send me to China. And I was trying really hard to get on a plane. You know, I'm really thankful that the Lord didn't let me go because I think that was just a lot of, a lot of zeal to do something adventurous. Because if you asked me if I had that same zeal to crucify my flesh, I probably would say, I don't know. So, so just, just to, before we finish the text tonight, if you're reading this and you're getting really stirred up and fired, like, man, yeah, I'll, I'll, go, to, I'll go to jail. I'll, I'll, I'll die for the Lord. Just, just be careful. Peter said things like that very passionately when he first followed Jesus. Jesus, I'll die for you. And then not too long later, he denies him three times. If you're serious about living for the cause of Christ, you'll live and die for this Jesus. Start here. Kill your sin. Start with personal holiness. Yeah, you want to be adventurous, kid? You want to go and do something crazy for Jesus and die for the cause of Christ? Start by killing your pornography. Start by killing the things that are killing you internally. Because if you, if, don't tell me you're down to die for the cause of Christ and you can't even kill these addictions. No, we must, we must cleanse ourselves. And then Timothy, Paul tells young Timothy, now I'm going to use you. The reason why Paul was sent and used so powerfully is because he was a man who taught his elders, pay careful attention to yourselves, to your life and your godliness. You want to be seriously used by God? I want New One Baptist Church to be a sending church. I would love for us to send people because, guys, we're not saved to sit. Right? We're not saved to just sit around. That's why Paul says, why are you breaking my heart? This is what I'm made for. And if I die, if I die. I'm with the Lord to live as Christ that is gain. None of us here are truly saved to sit. We're saved to be sent. I love you. And all those goodbyes are going to suck. But to think that you and I are on this mission, going out for the cause of Christ, whatever that looks like, when we're done with this and we cross over, we're going to have the most epic high fives and hugs in heaven. It's going to be so fun and wild. That's what Paul's, that's where Paul's mind is. He's on heaven. He's not on this earth. But if, if, if you're serious about living and dying for the cause of Christ, may I beg and plead with you this evening, start with your personal holiness. That's why I love when McShane says, a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hand of God. You want to be used powerfully in your workplace? You want to be used powerfully in your home, in evangelizing our children? 
and your spouses and your uncles, your aunties. You want to be powerful in your schools. You want to, you want to like, boom, make an impact for the kingdom. And let the Lord of God, uh, uh, the Lord of, hev- of heaven and earth just cleanse you, sanctify you, make you holy. And he'll use you. That's why Paul's being used. Paul's alive. I love how Tony Marita says this. He says, there's something worse than dying, and it's not living. This is the heart and soul of all the missionaries that have gone before us. You know, Livingston, John Patton, all those guys who died for the cause of Christ. People in their churches saying, you're, you're silly, don't go. What are you doing? To live is Christ. To die? That's gain. Send me sooner. Oh, God, could we pray such prayers and believe it? There's something worse than dying. And it's not really living. Are you alive tonight, brother, sister? Are we alive? Are we really living it up? I want to live. I don't want to sit around and do nothing. Twiddle my thumbs until I retire. Does that sound like torture to you? Would it, would it break your heart if I told you, you got to stay silent? That's why it's breaking Paul's heart. You're telling me I can't go to Jerusalem and Rome? I got to preach there. There's people there that need to hear it. Would it kill you to sit and be silent? When we have this treasure... This amazing message that can actually save someone way better than the cure for cancer. Would it kill you? Would you be like Jeremiah? This is, I have this fire in my bones and I just can't hold it in. I got to go. I got to tell someone. I got to do something. Lord, let us live. Don't you want to live? Really live. Let's finish it out. Verse 14. And he says, they said, I will not be persuaded. We wouldn't persuade him. And then it says, we seized. Paul set his face. There's no changing this guy's mind. And then they said, which we must all learn to pray, not our will, but God's will be done. Let the will of the Lord be done. Matthew 6, verse 10. When you pray, pray this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Then what does it say? Your will be done. Not our will. Your will. James 4.15, instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will go this and do that. Are you submitted? Are you yielded in your prayer, in your decision making? When it comes down to it, is it your will be done? Or is your will conflicting the will of God right now? When your will and God's will align and we learn to pray like this, oh, believer, brother, sister, the journey is nuts and wild and hard, but it's so much more better. His ways and thoughts are higher. His will is, it's not just higher, it's better. I would rather be where God wants me to be than where I want to be. It's just whether you believe that or not. The way my life has panned out up until now, I couldn't have thought it. I couldn't have willed it. All of us right here on this journey, 
in the choices you're going to make right after tonight. Learn this prayer. Your will be done. And then verse 15, he says, and after these days, we got ready and went. They stayed at Nason, Cyprus, an early disciple, probably one of those pillars in the church. But I just want to finish on this. After these days, we got ready and we went. We got ready and we went. We packed it up. We loaded the truck and we went. We went. We went. We're saved to be sent. Go, go, go. Do it. So much of us in our decision process, and we count the cost. Okay, it's going to hurt. Oh, it's going to hurt. But you look to Christ. Oh, it's going to be worth it. It's so going to be worth it. Jesus, for you, this is for you. We, 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 we count the cost. We look to Christ. And then we, okay, I'm going to try next week. And then we go back to church and we hear a message or something. We start praying and say, oh my gosh, okay, count the cost. Yes, I know, I know I need, to, I need to break that off or I need to stop doing this or I need to start doing that. I should make that phone call or whatever. The spirit of God, Jesus has been telling you to do something. You count the cost. You look to Christ. You're like at the edge of the rocks and you're like, oh, let's do this next time. Next time, next time, next time. And you sit and you just table it. We don't get up and carry on. You know what I think is so profound about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? He said, if there's any other way, Jesus, or if there's any other way, God, let this cup pass. Yet not my will, yours be done. And then when the betrayer came, what did he say to his boys? Rise up, let's go. It's time. He did it. What kind of faith is the faith you and I want? Is a faith that does something. Just do it brother, sister, what the Lord has been telling you to do. You take that step. You keep on pressing. One more step. Just take it. He's got you. He'll see you through. But what's beautiful about the end of this episode is Luke says, so we got up, we got ready, and we pressed on. In all the journeys and adventures and choices, the turning points you and I are going to make right now, you have it on your heart. I can see you in your faces. Whatever it is that is that the Lord is leading and guiding you to do, count the cost. Remember the cause. Look to Jesus and carry on. Don't stop. Hebrews, right? Look to Jesus. Let me read it to you and we'll, we'll pray. Hebrews chapter 12. Why don't you turn there with me and we'll read this and close. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, isn't that dope? We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight on this journey. There's people rooting you on in this room, in the heavenlies. Throw aside the weight. What's slowing you down? Every sin. That's why I tell everybody, if you're serious about being sent, then kill your sin. Get rid of that sin that clings you. It's, it's clinging to you. And, and run, man. Run, woman. Run the in, with endurance the race that is set before you. Looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, see, he modeled it, he endured the cross, despising its shame, seated at the right hand of God, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility and against him so that you may not grow weary 
or faint-hearted. This is what was going on in Paul's soul. I'm looking to Christ, and I'm remembering how he kept on, and it's giving me all the motivation and determination that I need to keep on stepping. So will we, church? Let's walk. Let's go. So ready to live. This is not home. Time is short. This is why I love to frequent the cemetery. I love it there. Not because I'm morbid. And I'm, I, I, worship, I love Halloween. Like, woo! I just love it. Uh, there was a woman that came up to me today and she's like, oh, is this your family? I was like, oh, no, this is not my family. Like, this is not my relatives. She's like, oh, I hear. I was like, honestly, it centers me to be here. And she's like, oh. She didn't want to keep talking. She just was like, okay, well, my family's over there. <laughs> but it was one of those, like, since you asked, thanks for reminding me. Because it reminds me that this is not my home. Sooner than later, I'm going to be taking my dirt nap. I'm done here. And I don't know when that moment is. And every choice that Chris is going to make, I need to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I got to lean not on the wisdom of man, not have this earth in mind. And in all my choices, I got to acknowledge Christ. And he's going to straighten that path. And one day I'll finally just step into glory. So you got a tough choice to make tonight. You got a decision to make. Some of you have made the decision, but you need to just be determined to carry it out. Count the cost. Remember the cause. Look to Christ and carry on. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we have, we have heard your word. We've received it. We thank you for Paul just being such an exemplary model of the Christian faith for us. God, Spirit of God, help all of us here in this place, everyone listening online, or even the brother, sister who's listening to this at another time right now in this moment to discern the will of the Lord and to in faith step. knowing that you're worth it and knowing that you'll see us through. Carry us now, Jesus. We want to walk with you. We don't want to be anywhere outside of your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We'll enjoy the rest of the evening together. Um, love you guys. You're dismissed.